Hi, and welcome to the Midlife Feast, the podcast for women who are hungry for more in this season of life. I'm your host, Dr. Jen Salib Huber. Come to my table, listen and learn from me, trusted guest experts in women's health, and interviews with women just like you. Each episode brings to the table juicy conversations designed to help you feast on midlife. Hi there. Welcome to another episode of the Midlife Feast. This week is a solo episode, and it's a topic that you guys have been asking for all season long, basically. It's time to talk about meno rage. So when I imagine saying this, I imagine hearing women all around the world, half of you yelling, yes, she's finally talking about meno rage, and the other half gobsmacked that there's actually a word to describe those moments of feeling vulnerable, but also red hot anger that only women in midlife can relate to. But I can't do it justice as a solo episode because my work is only one part of this conversation. Mood changes in midlife are 100% part of the midlife experience for most women, but it's not all about hormones. Hormone changes may be fueling the fire, but those embers have been burning for a while. But first, I want to talk about what is actually happening in those moments of meno rage, where the frustration and anger that you're feeling literally feels like it might explode from your body and sometimes does. What the hell is going on in those moments? Because it's so much more than a mood swing. Almost every woman that I've ever spoken to about meno rage describes it kind of like this. I don't understand what's happening. I just snapped at my partner, child, colleague, friend on often saying things like, I don't recognize this. It's scaring me. And it just happened. I don't even know how it just happened. And I often describe it as coming down to two things, losing our filter and having less capacity. So first, Let's talk about that filter. There's a region in our brain that deals with emotional regulation, and that's called the amygdala. It is nestled deep in our brain, and its job is to filter events and decide if we should freak out about them. If the answer is yes, we send in the troops, and that stress fight or flight response is in full swing. If not, it's time to calm down. Toddlers, teenagers, They all struggle with this, as any parent will know, but so do women in midlife because the amygdala is richly and densely populated with estrogen receptors. And research suggests that we may actually lose our filter temporarily as our estrogen levels rise and fall on that roller coaster of perimenopause. Because remember, if you go back to listening to episodes one and two of the hormone soup, In perimenopause, our estrogen levels are really unpredictable, changing from month to month, sometimes really high and sometimes really low. And one of those estrogen receptors, which is the alpha receptor, seems like it might actually modulate or kind of control that fear and arousal response, whereas the beta receptor may actually modulate the stress response. So... That doesn't even mention the fact that progesterone, which we know is in general decline through our perimenopausal years, also has a calming effect. 
So we have this roller coaster of estrogen, a lot less progesterone to go around. And that kind of ends up with a filter that doesn't filter as well or as efficiently or as reliably. So we are acting and reacting in ways that feel really unfamiliar. So yes, hormones are 100% a part of what's going on when you lose your proverbial shit because someone has put an empty box of cereal back in the cupboard or when the toilet paper roll isn't replaced or when the towels are left on the bathroom floor. But that is not the only thing going on because we're also at capacity when it comes to stress, which means that anything could be the next proverbial straw at any moment, which is where food and more specifically your relationship with food comes into play. So I think it's time for an analogy. Imagine that you've got a car that drives you from A to B every day. It's pretty reliable and it's the only one you've got. But you've always been told that you should stop to fill it up every five to 10 minutes and only fill it with the cleanest gas. Most days you manage, but sometimes the next gas station is farther away than you think, or it only has, quote, dirty gas. There's not enough, so you worry about making it to the next station. So even though you make it every day to your destination, you spend your entire commute thinking about gas and where to find it. And if they'll have what you want and the kind that you want, and if there'll be enough, and the next time you get to your destination, you're done. You're exhausted. You are at capacity. Anything else that is added to your plate feels like too much. But then one day, Someone tells you that you can just fill the tank with whatever gas you like and what's available. You can choose the same station every day, or you can keep an eye on the tank as you go. But the point is that there's lots of gas. There's lots of it to go around, and you can access it anytime you need it. So you give it a try, and you realize that by not worrying about the gas all the time, you've created so much capacity for other things, and you no longer feel on the edge of done all the time. And the exact same thing happens with food. What you eat does matter, but how you eat matters just as much, if not more. And by learning to worry less about food, you create space and capacity. So the big questions How do we create space and capacity without sacrificing our health or feeling like we're giving up? We unlearn what diet culture has taught us about food. We go through that undieting process. We unlearn the idea that food has to be perfect and measured and controlled and that there's a best way and a right and a wrong. We unlearn the idea that food and nutrition is the most important thing in midlife when it comes to our health or that our weight is a proxy for health. And we lean in to becoming attuned to all of our needs, including hunger and fullness and satisfaction, but also connection, movement, and joy, which is what intuitive eating is all about and why becoming an intuitive eater in midlife after a lifetime of chronic dieting can help you manage mental rage, and so much more. 
But what about the actual food? Can what we eat actually influence our mood and our capacity as well? Of course it does. I, as I always say, food matters, nutrition matters, just not in the way that we've been led to believe. And we can use gentle nutrition, which is one of the principles of intuitive eating, to make intuitive and intentional choices. So for example, meals that are balanced with carbohydrates and protein and fat do help to keep our energy levels up and our blood sugar stable. And we need carbohydrates to make serotonin. And when we avoid them or when we're hungry, as anybody who's experienced hanger can attest to, we don't feel good and we're cranky and we can't deal with all the stuff we have to deal with. There's also, you know, lots of really interesting research looking at, you know, high fiber foods and how they support our gut microbiome and what role that may play in mood and hormones. And of course, those omega-3 fats that we've heard about for so long that we find in fish do seem to be associated with improved brain health, better mood, and they're just generally good for our health overall. So all of these are great goals and can be part of that gentle nutrition process, but you can't sacrifice satisfaction for nutrition because satisfaction matters so much and is such an important component of that capacity. If you want more info on satisfaction, be sure to go back a few episodes and listen to uh, the Satisfaction Factor episode. But I hope that this episode has shed a little bit of light on mood and mental rage and given you some food for thought because there is so much to say about this and so much to say on this topic. And I hear all of you loud and clear when you say, please talk about this more. And I do have a couple of amazing guests lined up for season two to talk really specifically about mental rage and just some of those other things that contribute to it. But before I sign off, if you're listening to this in December or January, I want to let you know that this year's non-diet resolution challenge, which is my annual campaign to keep all of you out of diet culture in the new year, is on. And I'm going to be sharing all of the details, including the guests that I've lined up and the fun things that I've got planned in next week's episode, which is the season finale, which is all about trying to help you set non-diet resolutions. So remember that mood changes are part of midlife, but they're complicated. And I can't underscore the importance of looking at your mental health and mood from a big picture perspective. Because if you have experienced anxiety and depression in your pre-menopausal years, so before you're in perimenopause, you are at a greater risk of experiencing them through these years as well. But these moments of mental rage happen to all of us. I have met very few women who don't deeply identify with even just the word. So the next time that you snap, the next time that you think, what the hell just happened here? Think about your filter and think about your capacity and see how you can be gentle with both of them. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Midlife Feast. If you are trying to make peace with food in midlife and feeling a little stuck, I'd love to help you. Visit my website for information about how to work with me one-on-one or to sign up for my group program, Beyond the Scale. 
You can find the link in the show notes on Instagram at menopause.nutritionist or visit www.jennsalibhuber.ca.